Welcome, listeners. I'm Justin Makarevich, Associate Director of Employer Relations at the Graduate Career Management Center of the Zickman School of Business at Baruch College. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Um, all right, so let's kick it off. Bobby, thank you so much for making the time. This is really terrific. Um, it's also really great to see you again because it's been a while. Yeah, it's great uh, to see you too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, likewise. Um, so students, again, because um, we're a little bit of a small group, if you have questions that you want to ask and sort of just use the raise your hand feature, I can call on you. And we'd love to give you also an opportunity for you to um, um, to connect with Bobby, ask the question directly to him if you haven't met him yet. Um, so that way you can sort of make a, con a connection in the way that we would have done this face to face. Um, but I'll kick off the conversation first and we'll just sort of go from there. So um, so, Bobby, I think a lot of people are interested in customer success. It seems to be that role that just grows and grows and grows in tech companies for the last couple of years. Um, so give a sense to everybody here. How did you progress um, through your career up to um, up to your role right now? Sure. Um, so I'm sure some of you checked out my LinkedIn profile and honestly, were very confused by what you saw. And I'd be very <laughs> confused if I was you as well. My career has gone all over the place. If you go back to even my internships, I feel like I've done a little bit of everything. I've been a teacher. I've been an accountant. I've worked in an investment bank. I've worked in the media. Um, so I've worked all over the place. But I think what specifically led to this was I worked at a sports software registration company, particularly for those of you who have participated in youth sports. It was to help register kids for youth sports so that they didn't have to fill out forms by pen and paper anymore. And I started as an intern there and worked my way up so that at a certain point I was working with some of the major sports clubs you may have heard of. Um, a good example is I worked with the Los Angeles Dodgers to set up their youth camps. And in doing that, I got a lot of SaaS experience. And it was at that point I decided to go back to school just because I'd reached a certain point at that startup where it felt like my career wasn't continuing to grow and I really wanted to go to school and give myself more options. I wasn't totally sure that I was going to change career directions. I think when I initially went to Baruch, I'd said I was going to, but ended up back in a similar role. And I'm ultimately happy that I kept my possibilities open. Um, one of the things I can tell you off the bat, and I know I may be rambling a bit here, is just that if you're looking to get into customer success, especially at a large tech company like Adobe or Google or Facebook or you name it, having that SaaS background is something that they really are looking for at the moment. It's definitely having that the, the software service background and, and, and being able to work with it. So, so maybe we could just sort of step back a little bit um, too, Bobby. So what do you actually do on a day-to-day -day basis? <laughs> It's a very loaded question because it changes on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, Great. One of the things that a customer success manager needs to be, I know these are very buzzwords that mm -hmm. everyone uses when it comes to tech and startup, is flexible, adaptable, et cetera, whatever buzzword you prefer. Because um, my day could be something like I have a bunch of internal meetings with my sales team to talk about upcoming meetings with a particular client or I need to learn about a new solution that we just acquired and how I can talk about it to my customers. Or I might have customer facing calls where all day I'm just helping them either resolve some technical issues. I'm not the most technical, just to be clear. So in some cases, customer success manager in some companies, I should clarify, does mean you're a glorified customer support rep. 
my job is not to be a support rep. My job is to be a strategic partner and help them think about their account strategically with the solutions they've licensed and bring in the right people on the Adobe team at the right time to talk to my partners or my clients. Um, a good example of the call that I was actually just late for was I was on a strategic business review and we were talking about the product roadmap for one of the solutions they've licensed and what it means, particularly for those of you who pay attention to marketing, there's a lot going on with third party deprecation of cookies. And so a lot of my clients are particularly concerned about that right now. And we are continually having meetings, whether internally or externally to address that. So it varies. It can be things such as working on presentations for client meetings. Mm -hmm. It can be meetings internally to discuss some ongoing initiatives, or it can be client meetings and it changes day to day and depends on just the needs. So you do have to be light on your feet as a customer success manager, I would say. Right. And I was going to actually ask you about a project example, which you just kind of gave to us, which is really great. So I, you know, so in that example too, of, of that call, who are the other people on the Adobe side and who are the other people on the client side that are your stakeholders that you work with? Yeah. Um, so for a strategic business review, ideally you're working with the C-suite. My main people in the C-suite tend to be um, the chief marketing officer because we are a MarTech company. Yep. So we hope to get to the CMO level. We don't always get to the CMO level because a lot of the companies I'm working with are large uh, conglomerates. And so their CMOs tend to be relatively pretty busy folks. But ideally, we get them involved, especially if we're having a conversation about what the future looks like so that they know where their investment is leading. And, you know, we also have salespeople involved so that if the CMO or whoever else is on the call gets excited about what we're talking about, they can note that and then they can have some contractual discussions about, hey, maybe we should expand your investment in these areas. So it's a ton of project managing. Honestly, if you're a customer success manager, you will get very used to looking at people's calendars and seeing that everyone's booked and then finding that 10 to 15 minutes where everyone can sync before a meeting to then find maybe an hour meeting a month down the line where everyone that you need to be on a call will be available. And again, it's making sure that you're bringing in the right people at the right time, because I'm not going to lie, something that Adobe has somewhat of an issue with when it comes to its clients is we have a tendency to bring what we call the Adobe bus, which is just too many people, and we overwhelm our clients. And uh -huh. so one of the things as a customer success manager is to put yourself in the shoes of the client and say, would I really want to hear from 20 different people at once? Or do I want to hear from five people who have very specific things I'm interested in hearing about? Right. I mean, I feel like many organizations do have the bus, right? And the bus mentality sometimes. Yes. Um, so, you know, it's kind of interesting when you talked about at the beginning too, of how um, you certainly were doing similar roles or similar type of role and before your background, mm -hmm. um, what are things that you didn't expect that you are doing now um, at Adobe in your current role that you weren't doing before, that you were doing before? Um, that's a great question. One that I haven't given that much thought, I would say, I would say there's not much that I didn't necessarily expect, except that the role tends to be a little bit of a catch-all. And what I mean by that is there are some gray areas within pretty much any company, right? Where right. the roles are not specifically defined. And when that happens with a client, most people try to make the case of like, 
hey, this is a customer success responsibility because you're <laughs> responsible for customer success and making them happy. So it can run the gamut from like helping them do things from reporting to pulling in third-party partners, whether that's you know a Merkle um, or other consulting partners that I'm clearly blanking on at the moment because I just recently worked with Merkle. Um, <laughs> but it really does seem to have a wide definition, though that is something that we also do tend, that's another thing that you need to be comfortable in doing. And I'm honestly, I will fully admit I'm not the best at is you have to be able to push back. And so sometimes someone will try to push off some of their responsibility onto you, if, especially if there is that gray area. And you have to be okay with saying, hey, a customer success manager is responsible for this. Mm -hmm. I'm not responsible for this. However, you still want to have that teammate atmosphere of I may not be the right person, but I will at least help you figure out who the right person is internally to right. deal with this. Right, right, right. Or I may not know the answer, but I'll certainly on the internal inside try to get that answer to you. Yeah, it's a delicate balance of saying I'm not the person which you want to be firm about, but also saying at the same time you want to be a team player and I will help you figure out who that is. Yeah. Um, so you touched on this, on this also um, at the beginning. So again, there's, there's been increased interest in customer success, as I said, mm -hmm. uh, and, and we've certainly heard that from, um, from students. Um, so give some insight into sort of the, some of the ways that individuals interested in customer success, um, how they can get in, what they should be thinking about, what, what sort of steps from the, the total novice or person who's doing a change that wants to get into customer success to somebody who may even have a little bit of account management background, business development background, something like that, um, tech or non-tech. How can they, how, how do you think they can, they can really make strides in being successful in that? Yeah. Um, you know, at the end of the day, for however much knowledge I accumulate about a deprecation of a third-party cookie or trends in digital marketing or whatever you want to call it, my job is about making sure that my clients are happy and that comes down to being client facing and just being a friendly person. Um, so one way to mm. practice that is getting in roles where you're an account manager, as you said, or just client facing and practicing talking to people. Because right. one of the things that we always advocate as customer success managers, and some are better at it than others, is there's a tendency, particularly when you're having an issue with a client, to say, why don't they understand it? They should be drinking the Adobe Kool-Aid like I am. They shouldn't have a problem with this whatsoever, but you really need to emphasize and put yourself in their shoes and say, okay, yes, if I am this digital marketer and I am working for this particular company, maybe I don't care about all this stuff that Adobe is talking about. And I only really care about this thing. We're not talking to them about that. And so my job is often to be the voice for the customer as a, you know, I'm not super into cliches, but it really is true that your job as a customer success manager is to advocate for the customer, including internally, because you'll get in meetings where sales will say, oh, let's talk to them about X, Y, and Z. And you go, That's great. Maybe for down the road. Right now, they don't want to talk about X, Y, and Z because they have a problem with A. We need to solve A for them before we can even have any of these conversations. So the number one recommendation would just be get yourself into client-facing roles. It helps, as I said, if you're in software as service, because I think a lot of companies are looking for that. However, I recognize that tech is not the easiest to get into, even somewhere at the, at the startup level. So 
even if you have to get into, you're interested in it and need to get into a role that's client facing in another industry, I think that's totally fine and acceptable career path. I've heard people on all different walks. There are people who are former musicians, people who, like myself, did work at SaaS companies, people who used to be you know, bank account managers and things of that nature. The common theme does just seem to be people who are people persons or people, people, people. people. <laughs> um, so in that case, you know, I would say if you're a people person, that's great. Get something on your resume to demonstrate that you are in fact a people person. And that's the first step. Yeah. Um, and it's funny when you said getting in a tech company isn't even starts as hard. Kimberly was sitting there shaking her head <laughs> up and down, <laughs> which was great to see. Yeah, um, no, I fully recognize that because I absolutely know that even I have interned at a few startups in the tech industry and I worked at one and I fully recognize that everyone wants to work in tech. Though I'm hearing yeah. it from all my friends now too, where tech is the hot thing to work in and I understand why. Um, so don't feel badly if you're struggling to get into tech because everyone is. And if there's anything, I will say this now upfront, if there's anything I can do to help you, please feel free to reach out, even if it's outside of this particular conversation. I'm more than happy to have one-off conversations and see if there's ways that I can help make some connections for you as well. Oh, thanks, Bobby. And even just to just to even be a sounding board too. Thanks for that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. to kind of to kind of jump off of that as well. You know, what, what suggestions do you have for students right now for the job search? So, I mean, this is kind of a loaded question, especially because of mm -hmm. the virtual environment, the hiring mm -hmm. environment, um, the hyper uh, competitiveness of, of, of tech within mm -hmm. any market, be it New York or Silicon Valley. What, what are some thoughts do you have uh, for students right now in the search? Yeah, um, my number one recommendation there would be don't be afraid of what's going on. I recognize that the pandemic is very scary and jobs are hard to come by. If it makes anybody feel better, my first interview with Adobe was supposed to be in person. It was March 12th of last year, around there. They moved it to online. I ended up interviewing someone else who was interviewing for the job at the same time because they messed up the links. And somehow everything worked out and I ended up still getting a job. Um, so, and also just as a, and I think Justin might've recommended this to me, so I will be stealing some of his advice but I started a tracker of all the jobs that I applied to. And I applied to, I'm fudging the numbers a little bit here, but it was roughly 220 something. I got rejections or no response from, let's call it 218 something. Um, and I ended up getting interviews at maybe five or six of them and not hearing back from pretty much anywhere except Adobe. So it really, I know it's also cliche advice, but it really only takes one to work out for you. And the other thing, and Justin, I don't think knows that I tell everyone that I talk to this, but I do this anyway, is I started applying to jobs. And when I had applied to jobs, I would then go, immediately go on LinkedIn and see who was connected at those places that I was applying to. And generally, because it's his job and he knows everyone, Justin was someone who was connected. So then I'd send Justin an email saying, hey, Justin, I just applied here with a short, basically cover letter of like, here's the reasons why I think I'd be good for this job. I notice you're connected to this person with a link to their LinkedIn profile. Would you mind sending a message for me? 
And Justin is a very nice guy. So the chances are, if you do all that work for him, he will probably help you out. Thanks for that plug, um, but, but true. Um, and, and in those, I do want to say too, right? It's not about um, you being a candidate who's a, who's, a nice, who's a nice person and MBA student, but like ultimately I got these technical skills or specific qualifications and that, that really resonates with people um, specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have one last question then we're going to open it up to, to the floor. Um, but Bobby, I, you know, I think we, we all talk about networking to the point where we're blue in the face. Um, and, but I want to you know just sort of like your personal style of networking. Um, how do you maintain networks for yourself in, in a way that's genuine to you and, um, and, and makes it comfortable for you and makes it real? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and the reason I say that's a great question is I'm sure like many of you, before I went to grad school, I thought networking was icky and that is very one-sided and that, you know, there was some like devious thing about networking of, oh, I'm just trying to get a job out of you. Um, What you have to realize, so I am someone, and maybe you're not, I am someone who loves talking to people regardless. And so I naturally do things that are, I guess, considered networking, which is just, I love learning about people. And so when you reframe it a bit as just make it comfortable for you, you know, something I particularly enjoy is talking to people one-on-one because that way I really get to learn about them and know them. Um, It's also just people want to help people who are genuinely nice people. And if you can demonstrate, you know, I'm not saying that you have to go out of your way and like save a bunch of puppies from a burning fire. But if you can demonstrate that you're coachable and also just a generally nice person who's willing to listen and learn, most people are going to be receptive to that. And I've been, I see a few faces on this call that I have already talked to. And I can tell you that, you know, I get something equally out of talking to you that you do to me. And I know that also sounds cliche, but it's, I'm learning about what some of job speakers are looking for in the market. I'm learning about you as people, you know, the idea it's not totally selfless. The idea is maybe someday I will actually be in your position where God forbid Adobe goes under and one of you is Hmm. at a job and remembers that I tried to help you, you might be in a position to help me. So it's all just about, at least from my perspective, giving back. Um, There's been a lot of people who tried to help me regardless of whether it actually worked or not. And I want to carry that forward and, I think even at Adobe, I've started to make a really good network there. And part of that is I joined events that were MBA focused that I was meeting other MBAs and we at least had something common to talk about at the beginning. Right. And the other thing is I set up meetings with pretty much everyone I'd be working with on a regular basis, just to have a one-on-one conversation before we started working together to see how we could best work together and then continually talk to them. Because as I said, I don't shut up once you make me aware that you're someone that enjoys talking. <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> okay so i i, I want to open up the floor again this is this is a an intimate group and I, I you know looking at everybody's faces and people that i know too i i think that these are just future customer successors right here um for sure um so um but if you um, want to ask a question raise your hand i can also continue the conversation but be sure if you haven't met bobby just you know uh, introduce yourself what program you're in um maybe even when you're graduating things like that so that he has some context and that this can feel as much sort of in-person quote unquote as we can make it so um elizabeth is going to kick us off sure sounds good 
Thanks, Justin. Hi, Bobby. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy day to speak with us. Um, my name is Elizabeth. I'm a part-time evening MBA student. It's my third semester. I'll probably be graduating probably end of 2022, something like that. Um, and thanks so much for the insight you've given us so far on customer success, the SaaS environment. My question is kind of related to being a industry slash career changer and what advice, insight or knowledge, advice or insight you would have on someone who has kind of like customer success account management experience from, an, from a luxury hotel industry perspective and also having SaaS knowledge, but only, but really only in terms of what the hotel industry uses, but how you could kind of leverage that when technically changing industries and kind of being a person who really has the customer success passion, but doesn't have experience right in a tech company. Yeah, that is a great question, Elizabeth. And nice to meet you. I don't know if we've had the pleasure of speaking before, but always like to start with that. Um, so I don't have a ton of experience with career changing. I will start off the bat with that because as I mentioned, I started off in SaaS. And then now I'm in tech, so it's not a huge stretch. You know, I did have some internships that were not necessarily in SaaS. Um, worked briefly as an accountant out of school, but most of my post-undergrad experience has been in the tech field. That said, I think that having that experience is invaluable because, you know, as I was talking about earlier, at the end of the day, your, pro your main priority is to make sure that your clients are happy or if they're not happy they're expressing why they're not happy to you and so you have that experience and so my recommendation would be in interviews really highlight that um, particularly because you know something I'm not going to lie to you and say everything is smooth sailing with my customers all the time in fact probably 80% of the time my job is putting out fires but the ability to remain calm and not get, I'm not saying that I don't get stressed because I 100% get stressed. I just manage it, uh, I guess, better than some is, you know, being able to stay calm and have that ability is really important. And it sounds like from your experience, you probably do, because I'm sure there have been things that have gone out at the hotel that clients were not happy about and you had to help them resolve. So I would find ways to spin those stories and highlight them. I would also do things like, read about SaaS platforms. There's some really great books out there and I will have to follow up on them because I'm blanking on their names at the moment, but one of them is called, I believe the product gap is one of the books that I read that really explained. And there's also that customer success book that Tim is currently holding up. Um, we actually had to read a customer success book before, and I think it was that exact one before uh, starting at Adobe. So I, if you reach out to me, I'm more than happy to do this for anyone. I will suggest some books. Um, I will fully acknowledge that I'm not someone who spends all my time reading about customer success or anything like that, but having a background knowledge of just some of the terminology that gets used so that when you're interviewed, you understand the questions and also can speak in the language that the company is speaking in, I do think goes a long way. But really, in your particular case, I would just make sure to highlight your experience and you know don't be afraid to talk about the fact that you don't have a ton of experience with tech because 
one of the things that happened in my interview um, that I've not told many people is I was in my apartment because it was virtual. And in the background, I had an Ingrid Michaelson poster and a Spider-Man poster. And the Ingrid Michaelson poster said all the broken hearts in the world still beat. And the Spider-Man poster was just kind of there. And they brought it up and they're like, oh, so tell us a bit about this. And I just started rambling because I really like Spider-Man and Ingrid, obviously. Um, but one of the things I said was I really like Spider-Man because unlike other heroes, when he gets beat up, he still gets up. You know, Superman is basically invincible, but Spider-Man will fight even if he gets beat up really badly. And then all the broken hearts in the world still beat means even if you hear no from a bunch of places, you just keep going. And so there's this common theme that kind of came out there. And later when I was talking to some people, I happened to become friendly with someone who interviewed me. And they were like, your response about how you deal with adversity or hearing no was one of the things that really sold everyone on you. Your tech experience definitely helped, but it was those humanizing moments of how you deal with that. And also just, it clearly is represented in your life as, as you have these two posters, which I never thought would help get me a job. But that's just a long way of saying you never know what you can say in an interview that may actually help you make your case. Thanks. Yeah, that was really good. I had just one more um, follow-up question. You mm -hmm. mentioned a little earlier about kind of project managing mm -hmm. type uh, terminology, maybe even like requirements gathering, things like that. So would you suggest um, like even a project management certificate, would that be helpful in some cases with um, Yeah, if you had a project management, I mean, I'm not gonna say it would hurt you. I would say that it would probably make you overqualified because I'm not necessarily coming up with like requirement plans. It's more just like, okay, I know this particular customer has this particular issue. This particular person would be the correct person to talk about that. Or if not, I escalate above them and just somewhat calendar managing and just being an organized person. So that's another thing I would recommend to everyone is, and I will also acknowledge Outside of work, I am not the most organized person, personally. Um, but when it comes to work, I really do make an effort to be organized. And things will slip through the cracks just because there's so many things that go on when you're a customer success manager, as I was talking about earlier. But the more organized you are and the more you can show you really understand what's happening with your clients, especially um, in my case, internally, the more on top of things you show you are and you can demonstrate at least the working knowledge of everything going on the better off you'll be. The motto that my boss shared with me, and he's become somewhat of a mentor to me, is nobody should ever know more about your accounts than you do internally. If anybody asks a question, even if it's not your role to know that question, you should at least know enough to answer it and point them in the direction of that person. So that has to do with just organizational and like making sure there might be meetings that happen that seem like they're not necessarily related to my job, for example, but I still attend them just to get that working knowledge. I realize that's a little bit um, off topic of what you were asking about, but I hope that helps. That's very helpful. Thanks very much. I'll connect with you after. Yeah, sounds great. Awesome. Thanks for the questions, Elizabeth. Uh, Nathan, you're next. Great. Thanks, Justin. And hey, Bobby, nice to see you again. Yep, um, nice to see you too, G. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I actually have sort of um, 
sort of next step question. So I, I have transitioned into customer success at a small startup, which has been great. And I think it's something that um, really works well for me. And Elizabeth, I will say, I was also in sort of a service related industry before in that I was working in real estate. And I think the ability to hear objections from clients and not take it personally is like the number one thing that you can have in customer success is just like, okay, like I hear you empathize immediately and then be solutions oriented. I found that that's really like the number one thing that you have to, and not let it like take you down with them, just sort of like be positive. Um, but uh, my question is as someone who's actually like kind of in the middle of a few interviews for larger companies for customer success roles, um, I'm sort of, what do you see as sort of a growth potential for someone in a customer success position? Because I think that's sort of why I was interviewing at trying to find larger companies because there's really nowhere for me to go above where I am mm -hmm. in my current job. Um, and I'm curious, because I know it's sort of this, it's, it's sort of a double-edged sword because it's so cross-functional that you learn a lot, but mm -hmm. it's also hard to, where do I go next, right? Just because yeah, you are absolutely managing, you're kind of so involved with so many different parts of the business. So, yeah. Um, so let me rewind a little bit and talk about my past experience at a startup as a essentially customer success manager equivalent. Um, I went back to school for reasons that you're talking about now where it felt like I'd capped out and had reached a growth potential, at least at that particular company and didn't really see a path forward, at least with them. And it's true that certain companies, if you are a customer success manager, you may cap out. So you do need to find companies that value it. And to Justin's point, it's a growing field. It really only became popularized, I'd say in the last 10 to 15 years, to be quite honest with you. Um, that said, there is so much growth potential in customer success management. And the reason I say that is if you look at some trends among major tech companies, there are people who are ending up in the C-suite that, and especially CEOs who now are coming from these customer success positions. There's also not only that, but there's people in the C-suite where they're creating positions, particularly for like chief customer officer, for example. Um, I personally never have aspirations to be in a C-suite of a company. I know that would be too much stress for me, but I can tell you that a company like Adobe does offer a lot of growth because right now I'm what's called a customer success manager. Um, there's these levels that won't mean anything to you guys, so I won't worry about that. But then there's another position above, immediately above that called senior customer success manager they basically do the exact same job I'm doing now, except for more pay because you've proven that you can do it over the course of a few years. After that, there are individual contributor tracks and then there are group contributor tracks. And what I mean by that is essentially, you can continue on and be the best customer success manager you could possibly be. And you could end up becoming what's called either a principal customer success manager which is like, you really know your stuff and you're one of our top performers. There's also customer success director, which is basically like, hey, you work on an account like Amazon, you need some customer, you're not a manager, but you need some customer success managers working under you because it's such a large account that to manage the relationship, you need some people underneath you. Or you could go on the track where it's, okay, you've proven that you're a good individual contributor and you have some interest in being a manager and then you go into you know, 
all right, we'll have you manage a small team. Eventually you'll manage your own vertical, et cetera, et cetera. The other thing is there, it may not be true necessarily at other companies, but, and they're still working on this. I'm not going to say it's perfect, but within Adobe, there is the opportunity to even change your career. So you could get your foot in the door as a customer success manager and then move into other roles, depending on what interests you. And I've seen that happen more so with like, and personally, I don't want this because I just never want to be a salesperson in my life, even though some of my job does involve sales. But I have seen a lot of transitions from customer success into a more sales focused role or you know, data and insight specialist, for example. So to your question, there are lots of growth opportunities. It's just about finding the right companies. That said, I do think the trend will be that regardless of what company you're in, there would be more of a focus on it. Um, you know, one thing, and obviously I'm very passionate about this one because it's my job and two, because I've now worked in it for a while. But one thing that people do get concerned about, I guess, is AI taking over the jobs of customer success managers. Um, I will tell you flat out, I don't think that will be the case. I think that it will help customer success managers do their jobs maybe more efficiently. But as I talked about at the end of the day, our job is to be people. My job is actually, my official title is relationship manager. It's called customer success manager in all different like public views. But if you look at the internal Adobe, it's called relationship manager, like level four or something like that. And so the point I'm trying to make is the human touch of being a relationship manager and knowing how to talk to other humans is not something that's going away. And it's also something that is highly valued by particularly tech companies as they think about who should be at the executive level going forward. I hope that answers your question, Nathan. I realize. I... <laughs> no, that was great. And I, I agree. I think a lot of my conversations that I have with people are they say, oh, I'm so glad that there's this person on the other line that I can have this, you know, human conversation about what's going on and like good and bad and what we can make solutions with. I think that's, I can't imagine, I wouldn't even think that an AI could replace that because that's sort of what the more technological things get, the more people crave that one touch point of someone that they can call or email or whatever and like get that. Um, yep, you know. absolutely. The only other thing I wanted to touch on was just, um, again, your advice that having tough skin essentially when customers say negative things, that's definitely one of the most important things in the role. I know I've already highlighted it, but I cannot stress that enough that being able to handle when your customers come to you with problems or just even taking it out on you and realizing it's not necessarily about you and killing them with kindness is more or less the number one skill you can have in this job. There's a lot of other things that will make you great at the job too, but if you have that, you at least have a good base to work from. Yeah, I can um, agree. <laughs> and I think just having an approach of, you know, I think some people, if you can deflate tension easily, I think that's like a huge skill because if people flare up and you find a way to just resolve it quickly and sort of squash it and then get to the root of what's actually going on, um, I found that that makes like all the difference in the world. Um, Absolutely. Thanks, Nathan. Um, Fabiana, you're next. Thank you, Justin, and hi, Bobby. My name is Fabiana Rodriguez, and I'm an MBA student. This is my second semester, 
And I relate a lot to the beginning of the call when you mentioned that you have a very diverse background. So I really um, relate to that. And, and now I'm working in tech. And there's something you said about how important it is to illustrate in your resume your people skills, like if you are a people person. Um, I, I feel like I went through a transition where I was mar in marketing, and when I was transitioning to technology, I had to put all that people skills away <laughs> and focus on technology and, like, hard skills and, like different languages that you know of and so it, it's like finding that balance like that's how, how I see it like how you will suggest to someone that does have those two worlds but at the same time it's like it, it seems like they want a little bit of everything but when you get to the moment is a little bit uh, struggling to get there so how you will suggest me or other people to illustrate the people person like your people skills, but as well the technical side, so you're eligible to be in a tech company as well? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so my role in my old job, and even now, often has become, to your point, tech people are very cliche or not, and it's very true. I'm sorry if anyone here is a tech person, but as a generality, people who know technology well are not the most sociable or well-spoken, I guess, um, in terms of talking about feelings or just interacting with other people. I'm not saying it can't happen. It does happen. There are plenty of people who are engineers who can, in fact, handle interacting with other people. But there is some truth to the fact that people who are coders generally don't necessarily have those skills and companies don't always look for those skills. That said, I will say that Companies like Adobe and other companies, at least from my opinion, 10 times out of 10 will hire someone who has more of the people and personable skills than the tech side of things. I'm not saying that it's not important to have the tech side of things and something I'm going to use your question to address because I think it's a little bit related is I know some of you are in your second years and hopefully have already taken these classes. If you have not, I would strongly recommend getting at least a basic understanding of business analytics and just analytics in general. Um, it, you know, I, you don't have to be, and as I said, I am not the most technical person. I can follow a technical conversation, but you don't have to know JavaScript or specialize in HTML or C++ or basic or whatever it is to be a customer success manager. You just have to be able to follow enough of what's going on on the tech side so that when your customer asks you a question, you at least know who on the tech side to pull into the conversation. And sometimes I don't even know that answer. And that's when there are people in place to help me figure out who the right person is. So to your question of transitioning from marketing to tech and trying to keep that balance, I would say just take any opportunity you can to practice being sociable and talking and using those soft skills of interacting with people and relationship managing. One of the things that tech companies actually find the most valuable, believe it or not, is the ability to take really complex, high-level tech conversations and, for lack of a better word, dumb them down so that executives can understand them or 
your fellow coworkers can understand them. There's huge value in being able to translate from an engineer to a member of a C-suite at a company or even internally. So if you have that capability, at least from my perspective, and I'm sure from many others, you're already way ahead of the game because a lot of people who understand tech don't have that capability. And a lot of people who have that capability don't understand tech. So I hope that makes you feel a little bit better because I think you're definitely way ahead of everyone else if you have both capabilities. Yeah, that's, that's basically my job every day. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for, for the guidance um, and also for the suggestions taking business analytics. That's something I have in plan for fall. Thank yeah. you, Bobby. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually wanted to go to one thing um, Elizabeth had mentioned, in fact, Bobby. And so, you know, in Elizabeth's background and what she was talking about, even though she's coming from a hotel background, right, which is totally customer service and sales focused, but she's in that role from what I heard, she had to use a technology platform that was a SaaS platform that um, that her hotel was using. She had to most likely have intimate knowledge of how that worked, um, how to troubleshoot it, how to also make it work for her customers and for her for her bottom line and her probably her goals. Um, so in that in that case, I mean, is there an opportunity for somebody? I'm not I'm not obviously singling out Elizabeth, but if somebody in that type of situation where they can sort of bottom up and focus first on having used and gotten intimate knowledge with a SaaS platform in their role. And then at the same time, by the way, it was in a hotel capacity where I was client facing sales focused, mm -hmm. et cetera. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that I mentioned in my interview was that one of the internships that I happen to work at, I happened, I had to use the Adobe tools mm -hmm. or I had to use related tools. And I mentioned to them, you know, and I think this went a long way towards them understanding that I could relate to what the marketers were going through, that right. I looked at the tools they were using and I said, man, if I had these tools in my, I said this in my interview, I said, if I had these tools in my old job, my job would have been so much easier. I'm mm -hmm. sure you hear that all the time from your marketers. So absolutely showing that you have experience using some kind of SaaS program, even if you don't work in SaaS, mm -hmm. does help. Um, you know, I did mention very specifically business analytics because that's very general. So that can help you with tech because yeah. I'm in MarTech. I would also say take marketing analytics because that actually gives you, if it's still the same as when I was in school, which was not long ago, it gives you hands-on experience with things like Adobe Analytics, um, Google AdWords and AdCloud and things of that nature. So if MarTech is your particular focus, take that class because you will get hands-on experience. And then again, just in your interview, being able to say, I had this hands-on experience, I can talk to these things intelligently helps. And yes, you can absolutely back into saying I was a user and I can also, I can't even tell you the amounts of people that work at Adobe that say I used to be a client or I used to be a power user and Adobe essentially more or less just reached out to me because they saw how well I was using the tool and wanted me to work for them. Wow. So, yeah, it definitely. It's a great way to back into it. Yeah. Um, I do want to open up the floor again, continue to open the floor to conversations. So if you have a, uh, or to questions, so if you have one, just raise your hand, but um, just to bounce off of what you had 
um, said about the MarTech class, what other classes, Bobby, do you think were helpful that you took while you were an MBA? I mean, again, you just graduated last year, so or not even last year, right? I mean, months ago. Yep. So yeah, so like what, what other classes do you suggest for students? Yeah, um, you know, it's, I think this leads into, and this is one of the questions I think you asked me are soft skills and hard skills I use mostly. Um, one of the things that I talk about when I talk about what I learned during my MBA is I don't, and I do not mean this as a, I need to preempt this a little bit because I do not mean this as a negative towards Baruch in any sort of way, but I don't know that I necessarily gained all that much in hard skills. And that was also because of just my own choice in classes, mm -hmm. but something that I really do think I improved upon was in all the group work that I did, I took on much more of a leadership role. Um, that group work itself helped me figure out how to be a project manager, even if it was on a much smaller scale, because right. the groups needed directive. And sometimes, as I'm sure many of you know, the groups did not always have directive. Um, <laughs> so the soft skills, I think, really help. Um, that said, you know, the one thing, if I had to give classes, it would definitely be analytics-related classes. I just think with the way tech in particular is trending, you need to have that baseline understanding of um, analytics. I know everyone's required to take stats. So a baseline understanding of stats is always helpful, but everyone has to take that anyway. So it's really just those classes. And then I'd say classes that get you somewhat outside of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. um, classes particularly that if you're not someone who is as talkative as I am, which I will be honest with you all, you probably, most of you are probably not as talkative as I am. Um, you know, something I saw among my group projects was I ended up doing a lot of the talking for my groups, which I was totally fine with. But if you're interested in a role like this, get in front of people and talk as much as you can. Um, something I did in undergrad was I did college radio to force myself out of my shell because I wasn't always as talkative as I am now and just continually talk in front of people to get comfortable talking in front of a room um, you know everyone has one now but start up a podcast and talk mm. about whatever you feel like talking about it's just that sort of stuff so I don't know that there are other classes that I'd specifically mention besides the analytics classes but it's definitely just practice talking in front of people because I know it's not necessarily the most comfortable thing for everyone to do. Right. And getting used to that. Yep, absolutely. Um, all right. Any, any, any other questions if anybody wants to jump in? I definitely want to be cognizant for with everyone's time. I know that classes are coming up, but, um, but I want to be cognizant of those who don't even have class. All right. Um, Bobby, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for making the time for, for, for this. Um, and also being open to connecting with students um, offline and everything. Um, we really appreciate everything. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to do it and I'm happy to come back sometime in the future. And hopefully we can talk to even more students. And oh, for sure. Tell your yeah. friends to reach out to me. I, I will admit, so right now I am wearing a quarter zip. You may not be able to notice this. I do this just for work because my boss basically told me I should for internal branding. I am probably the most informal person you will meet. Um, you know, I draw certain lines, but 
for the most part, you can reach out to me. I will be very casual about it. It does not have to be the most formal thing in the world. Um, feel free to connect on LinkedIn initially, and I'm happy to have, as I said, some one-on-one -on -one conversations if anyone is interested in continuing to have conversations or even just, it doesn't even have to be about job stuff. If you just want to talk about, as I said, pretty much anything, I'm always down. So thanks for taking the time. I know you all are busy with midterms and appreciate you listening to me talk for a bit. Thanks, Bobby. Really appreciate that. And thanks everybody for being on. It's good to see everybody always. We'll see you soon. Thanks, listeners, for tuning into the GCMC podcast, where we look to get off-the-record thoughts and perspectives from individuals who have been hiring managers and in hiring positions in their careers. The GCMC is here for Zicklin MBA and MS students and alumni for their careers wherever they are, so be sure to stay in touch with us.